From the heart of Nebraska's capital city, this is the Nebraska Family Alliance Report. Here's your host, Nate Graz. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. I'm Nate Graz, Policy Director for Nebraska Family Alliance, and we have several important updates on bills and issues unfolding in the Nebraska legislature, including efforts to defend religious freedom and protect children from human trafficking. But first, as we recognize and celebrate President's Day on February 19th, we should also pause and reflect on those words from George Washington's farewell address in 1796. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Today, religion and morality have become all too dispensable. We see it clearly in our culture, the open disdain for religion and biblical beliefs, but we also see it increasingly from our own government with the trampling of First Amendment rights and trying to use the coercive power of government to force people to violate their beliefs or lose their job or their professional license and to try to push Christianity out of the public square. And that should give all of us concern because without religion and morality, you cannot have an open, free, and prosperous nation. And George Washington knew that and he warned of that all the way back in 1796. As his second term in office was drawing to a close, President Washington chose to step down from power and not to seek re-election in order to ensure that the presidency would not develop into a monarchy and to set the precedent for future presidents that it was not a lifetime appointment, that they were not kings. And that provided the standard of the two-term limit for our presidents that would eventually become enshrined in the 22nd Amendment of our Constitution. Washington informed the American people of his retirement in a public letter that would come to be known as his farewell address. And Washington began his address by explaining his choice not to seek a third term as president and assured the country that his leadership was no longer needed. But Washington then offered his final counsel to the American people as their president, stressing the importance of the union and the bond that Americans had together and what was really at the source of providing for their freedom and prosperity that they now held. And he reminded them in this address that the independence and liberty the nation was enjoying was the result of the common dangers, sufferings, and successes that they had experienced together in the revolution and early years of the republic. But he cautioned not only against external threats to the country, but also internal and chief among those concerns was the need to maintain proper respect for religion and morality, these indispensable supports for political prosperity. And even after the uncertainty of the early national period had passed, Washington's message continued to remain powerful, so much so that in the early 19th century, Washington's farewell address was often read aloud as part of yearly commemorations of his birthday on February 22nd, which we now recognize on President's Day. And why do I say all this? I think that Washington's message from his farewell address and his warning is one that we have to continue to bear in mind today, because without Christian influence, Government has no clear moral compass. And when we look around our nation and our world today, 
it's clear that we need that influence as much as ever. And that's what we're fighting for at Nebraska Family Alliance, to bring biblical truth to bear and advance God's design for life, family, and liberty in our culture, in our churches, and at our capital, standing for truth for the good of society and human flourishing. Try to imagine just for a moment what a nation and its government would look like if all Christian influence on government were suddenly removed. Where would our nation's moral standards come from? Where will people learn about ethics and about right and wrong? If Christians do not speak publicly about the moral and ethical issues that we face as a nation, we will leave a moral vacuum that will be filled by everything except the truth. And as believers, we know that it's the gospel and not government that can change the human heart. But that doesn't mean that we should just avoid government and politics altogether. The Bible is clear that God created the family unit, he created his church, and he also created government. In fact, in Romans 13, the Apostle Paul teaches that God created government specifically to reward good and punish evil. But who is determining what is good and what is evil? Every law endorses and enforces a belief system, and as citizens living in a constitutional republic, we have the responsibility and the obligation to help determine whose it will be. And a common problem that we can run into in the Christian church is to see people trying or wanting to avoid government and politics because government can't change people's hearts. But we have to remember that's not what government was created to do. The family, the church, and government were all created by God for distinct purposes. And human flourishing is most possible when all three of these institutions function as God intended. And here's what we have to remember. Civic stewardship does not require neglect of the gospel. We are called to be salt and light in our communities. That means working to preserve what is right and good and true. And that means we have to be willing to engage both government and culture. Now, it can be hard not to be discouraged by the many challenges that we are facing as a nation. But while the challenges before us are many, we also know that the world is desperately searching for hope and for truth. And as believers, we have an opportunity to provide that hope and light in challenging times. The Word of God is the only ever-standing tower of truth in a constantly changing world. Therefore, we should strive to engage both government and culture with timeless truths and biblical principles. And if you want to learn how you can help do that here in Nebraska and support the work we are doing at NFA, please visit NebraskaFamilyAlliance.org. And these values and concepts that we're talking about played out in real time last week at the Nebraska Capitol with two NFA-supported bills receiving committee hearings. I was at the Capitol last week to provide testimony in support of LB 1034, which would help protect the religious freedom rights of teachers and public school employees in public schools. The bill prohibits the punishment of school district employees who exercise their First Amendment rights, specifically private religious expression. And we're seeing this become more and more of a problem where teachers and people who are working in public schools feel that they're not able to actually live out their beliefs. And in fact, they might even be forced into doing, doing things or saying things that are contrary to what they believe. 
And of course, you may remember the case a few years ago with a high school football coach in the state of Washington who was actually fired and lost his job for simply praying silently on the football field. That should never happen in the United States of America, where a coach is fired by a public school district for praying silently after a football game. But it did, and he had to fight for years all the way to the United States Supreme Court to be vindicated that he did have that right and that the school could not fire him for privately expressing his religious beliefs. And that's really at the heart of this bill is making sure that those First Amendment standards are clearly put into our own state statutes so we don't have those types of problems in the future. And even here in Nebraska, just a few years ago, there was a situation at a public high school in our state where a pro-life student group was not allowed to form or to operate under the same terms and conditions as other student groups were because they were viewed as a religious group. And we have to make sure that the right to religious freedom is properly respected and protected. Religious freedom is a fundamental right and a critical component of any free society. And today, many people have a wrong view of religious freedom that says religious freedom is really just the right to worship or to believe what you want in your own mind, but you don't actually get to live out and practice those beliefs. But religious freedom is not just the right to attend church on Sunday morning or believe what you want within the four walls of a church. Religious freedom is the ability to live out your faith, including in the public square. And this foundational freedom affirms the right of individuals to come to their own conclusions about what is true of God, humanity, and the world free from government coercion. And so amidst these increasingly heated cultural debates, it is critical that for those who value religious freedom, that we affirm its importance and protect it in law. And this is important for all people, regardless of whether you are religious or not, because religious freedom is an essential right that benefits everyone because it corresponds with and upholds other basic freedoms. If you look at countries that don't have religious freedom, there are so many other freedoms that they also don't have. They don't have freedom of speech. They don't have freedom of the press. They don't treat people equally. And that's why protecting religious liberty always has to be a top priority. And by consistently living out our faith in the public square, we can also help foster a culture that respects religious freedom. And as the United States Supreme Court has recognized for nearly 50 years, neither students nor teachers shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. And while the Supreme Court has been clear on this issue, Flawed interpretations of the First Amendment and a lack of clarity can often lead to the unnecessary and unlawful restriction of citizens' First Amendment rights, particularly in public schools. And by having clear statutory provisions that implement First Amendment standards and clearly lay out what is and is not permissible, we can proactively protect Nebraskans' First Amendment rights and also prevent the enforcement of improper policies that violate otherwise constitutionally protected freedoms. And by doing so, we decrease and prevent the risk of litigation, of viewpoint discrimination, and of the stifling of constitutional rights. That's what this bill would do. And that's a good policy objective because Nebraskans should not have their jobs or their livelihood jeopardized because of peacefully expressed, non-coercive, and constitutionally protected religious beliefs. 
We were also in committee last week testifying in support of LB 1096, a critically important bill to better protect children and victims of human trafficking from online sexual exploitation. Tragically, we know that trafficking is an issue that happens even in Nebraska. It is not just something that happens in faraway countries. It it even happens here. But the problems we face in eradicating human trafficking now extend beyond geographic limits and to the exploitation of children and trafficking victims online. And that's what this bill addresses. LB 1096 strengthens Nebraska statutes to better protect potential victims of sex trafficking particularly children, by allowing protection and the state's ability to go after people who are hosting and and producing online video content depicting these horrendous crimes, it allows our states to really hold them accountable by making the hosting and production of this type of content online a deceptive trade practice. Internet content providers and platforms must adhere to federal and state laws designed to protect children and prevent the proliferation of sex trafficking, and this legislation will help hold internet content providers accountable while taking power away from traffickers and helping to empower victims. We must do everything we can as a state to deploy the necessary tools to protect our children and to fight back against those who seek to profit from the exploitation of children. And this bill is a critical next step that will continue to make our state a leader in protecting children from human trafficking and online sexual exploitation. And we will continue advocating for this bill to pass into law this session. For more updates and information on all the issues and bills we're working on, please visit NebraskaFamilyAlliance.org. Thanks for listening to the Nebraska Family Alliance Report.